1: We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all.
2: We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure.
1: Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing.
3: And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepker. Now, the Prime Minister's plan to unlock the economy appears to be on track. Data shows that COVID vaccines are highly effective against the new variant first identified in India after both doses. Although the Pfizer-BioNTech and AstraZeneca vaccines were actually only 33% effective against that mutation three weeks after the first dose.
1: Well, the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, says the data confirms we are on course to lift restrictions on the 21st of June. This data makes me more confident that our strategy is the right one. It makes us more confident that we're on track. There has been a rise in the number of cases and we're watching very carefully to see whether that has an impact on the number of people going into hospital.
3: Now that data though does raise some concerns about the dependence that the UK has on the AstraZeneca vaccine. Astra's jab is still only 60% effective versus Pfizer's 88% effectiveness against the variant first identified in India.
1: Well joining us now is Khalid Mahmood who's Labour MP for Birmingham, Birmingham Perry Barr and former member of the Shadow Cabinet. Khalid thanks you for being with us today. Welcome to the programme. I suppose all that we've been talking about suggests that Boris Johnson is on course to get the country back to normal from June the 21st. And I mean, you have to stand back and say that's a big success for this administration, isn't
4: it? Well, the success is for the vaccine. Uh, The success is for all those scientists, scientists and all those people who put a huge effort to turn around this essentially a miracle drug Uh, for everybody and I think it's been absolutely fantastic the the way the people have managed to do this and get this effective and we've been the leading country because of AstraZeneca and because everybody else has pulled together to do this Uh, and of course uh, yeah you want to give credit to to, to Boris for doing it. Boris was a person who had little choice but to implement it because that's what we needed. We're, We're doing the by far the best all those people in the National Health Service who worked to put this through, it's been absolutely fantastic. So, but it, it's all those people that put the work together to do this. And I, I have to pay a tribute to everybody else that did this as well.
3: Hmm. So, so no credit for Boris then allowing Kate Bingham to create the well, no, uh, look, group look, of people look, look. that that, that, uh, that effectively no, bought create, the drugs? He didn't,
4: create, he didn't create any of that if you if you want to look at the way that the money was spent uh with ppe the huge abuse of uh track and trace and and all those things that didn't work what's really worked in all of this is the vaccine those great scientists and and great people in our universities working together along with the national health service to do that to were able to provide Boris with a tool to do that anybody provided with that tool uh would have been able to deliver this at least uh and and you know play that's been done and that's for all of our people i want to see the economy back up and running all of us want to do that and if boris gets the uh wave on that good luck to him but i want yeah. to also recognize everybody else that did that as well
1: yeah but in the same way that you would criticize him as captain of the ship if the ship went onto the rocks uh, the fact that he steered clear of the rocks surely in the end the buck stops with him for that as well
4: yeah, well, he's gained. He, you know, I don't have to tell you that. You've seen the election results, and, and on, on that bounce, he's managed to get that success. Uh, and of course, you know, if, you, if you're in government, you're in power, uh, the successes comes to you. But I think all, equally, we should remind ourselves that the failures that have been should be held accountable for as well. And I, and I mm. agree with that.
3: Okay, so what do you think then of um, the Prime Minister's former adviser, Dominic Cummings, the claim that the government had been planning for a herd immunity policy, obviously denied by the government? What did you make of it?
4: Well, I said it was wrong at the time when you gave the example of people standing in a football stadium uh, and you can pass it so often and all it will do is keep you to the group of six or eight people that they were talking about. But that's a multiplier, and we should have all seen that. Uh, herd immunity was very difficult, particularly uh, for people with other illnesses, uh, people with respiratory issues, uh, people who've had transplants who suffer from cancer, and generally the elderly people whose lungs uh, and smokers as well, I suppose, in part of that whose lungs aren't as efficient uh, as a young person's would be. And so therefore, those people in a herd immunity environment wouldn't be able to survive that. Uh, and this wasn't just a, 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 a sort of basic flu that we have. And all right, we'll we catch this and we'll come out and do that. It was seen from the start, the way it attacked your lungs, that unless you were very strong and very fit, you weren't going to survive that. And so, therefore, talking of herd immunity, uh, and I was against it from the start, and I, and I still say now, that would have been a really wrong, wrong way to go. and would have probably ended up, you know, we've had some of the highest deaths across the world at the moment per capita. And if that had gone through, we, uh, God God knows where we would have been, and it would been a very, very serious position for all of us, even more so than it is.
1: All right, Khalid, let's move the talk on to some other things that are very much in the news at the moment. And one thing that's obviously dominating the headlines today is the big foreign policy question of the moment. A very uh, startling event, really, over the weekend. Uh, the plane being forced to land in Belarus and a journalist, uh, an opposition figure being arrested, hauled off the plane, uh, according to reports under armed guard. Um The UK, as a sort of global player, I suppose, has to take a position on this. Earlier, we spoke to your fellow MP, Tobias Elwood. Now, he, listen to this, called for UK action.
4: What we've seen over the weekend was brazenly dangerous. And against the international norms and standards uh, that we uphold, I would like to see us go further and actually close the entire border, the airspace, for a temporary period. So allowing no movement of capital, of goods, of services, or indeed of people.
1: That was Tobias Elwood, who's yeah. also chair, of course, of the Defence Select Committee in the Commons. Uh, so Khalid, what do you think we should do? Do you agree with what Tobias says there?
4: Well, I think Tobias is, is although a member of the Conservative Party, is, is, is a good friend, and he always uh, speaks on this issue uh, with decorum and an and, and, uh, accountability that he wants to pursue, uh, and I think he's quite right. Uh, In this instance, you can't just be seen to be doing this. If you do that once, you'll do it ever and ever again. And forever, you feel like, you know, we can't just pull down our uh, aircraft just as we feel. Uh, And that is not the right way to proceed. There are laws that govern this issue. Uh, If they had evidence, they could have extradited the individual they were not happy about. But this is not a a rule of law. This is not the way to do this. This is not the way you treat passengers and other passengers who who were absolutely hugely shocked by this. Uh, My other actually very good friend, Chris Bryant, uh, has an urgent question in Parliament this afternoon in relation to this, and we should take it seriously. We should take seriously that our uh, airplanes that carry our flags shouldn't be able to do this up. people shouldn't be uh, should be put in uh, danger in this had there been a different turnover events uh, you know there could have been anything could have happened to that flight and, and people's lives would have been really really at risk and so we shouldn't allow this to happen and I think it's time now that we've got to stop uh allowing some people to take particular action uh, and not hold them accountable, and they're going to be held accountable for these.
3: Okay, so that on the Belarus issue of that Ryanair yeah. plane that was forced to land. Um, on to matters more personal, if I may. Back in <coughs> April, before the local and regional elections here, you resigned from your post as Shadow Minister for Defence Procurement, saying that the party had been taken over by a, quote, London-based bourgeoisie with the support of brigades of woke social media Warriors, what did you mean by that?
4: Oh, it's quite simple, uh, and, and what it is is, is that we're, we're essentially back into the uh, into the late seventies, where we had the, uh, the, the the bourgeoisie in London controlling our agenda, and we know what happened then. Uh, we know what happened to the Labour Party; we were out for decades uh, out of government, uh, and that's not what we want to go back into. What we've got to understand is look at the people I have in my constituency, people who have to go out to work, people who can't sit at their computer or laptop or whatever they have at home and do their work. These are the people who need to be at work uh, doing the work to earn an income, some of them on, on very low wages, some of them on zero-hour contracts, mm. some of them with semi-skilled uh, occupations that they do, uh, some of them with very skilled uh, uh, occupation that they work in, but they have to go to a place of work. And what we want to do is say to them, we, we represent your rights. We want to have the best possible works, uh, work in conditions, uh, working conditions for you uh, and to be able to support you. And I think what we've done is move it away from some of that. Uh, and what I want us to do is understand what those people need. I want people to walk with me on the street and knock on our, on, on their doors and yeah. see what they're looking at. And this is what they're looking at. You know, we we don't just want to be on a different plane about our identity and all those sort of issues that, that arise, uh, and, and pulling down statues of Churchill and saying all these sort of things. We have a history. Everybody has a history.
1: But and what but we Cal- have to Cal- do, to Cal- all of us. Callum, Cal- 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 who do you blame yeah. for Labour being in this position? I mean, you know, we saw the results in the in the local regional elections. Is Keir Starmer the right man, the right person to be Labour's leader now?
4: Well, look, has had a very difficult start. Uh, trying to do this, again, something that I criticised uh, on social media uh, and trying to come through that has been very difficult. No, under normal circumstances, if he came to Birmingham, the West Midlands, which he did uh, on, on uh, social media, on, on sort of video conferencing, if he did that personally, there'd be people around, there'd be local media around, they'll be there, they'll be listening to him, uh, and they'll be taking that message back. So when you do it on, 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 uh, on this sort of video platforms that you can send messages across. You only have the people that are internally in the party that listen to that. So people externally don't get a chance to listen to that. So you're saying the message doesn't need to
3: change, it's the form of communications?
4: Well, I think some of the policies do need to change, and I've said this, the the policies that need to change Mm. is that we need to be more in tune with our people on the ground. Those are the people that support the Labour Party. They don't support the Conservative Party, and the Conservative Party have stolen that vote because we haven't looked at that. And what I'm saying to our party is that we need to get yeah. back and look at that uh, and to move forward. And a lot of people are listening. Uh, yep. I was in defence procurement, and we have policy in defence procurement of the Labour Party that we should buy built in Britain and built yeah. it in Britain. And that's what we're following.
1: Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics today, Caroline.
3: Yeah, so this story dominated the weekend papers, didn't it? The Home Secretary, Preeti Patel, has denied claims that the government pursued a herd immunity policy early on in the pandemic. The Prime Minister's former aide, Dominic Cummings, has tweeted that the original plan was to let the virus spread through the population, achieving so-called herd immunity. But Patel and the head of the Health Security Agency, Dr Jenny Harries, has said that allowing people to become infected has never been on the agenda.
1: Well, The Guardian, meanwhile, has got an important story on its front page, revealing that fewer than one in 60 rape cases recorded by the police last year actually resulted in a suspect being charged. The shocking statistic is a rate of 1.6%, and it raises questions about the government's report into how rape is prosecuted. That report was due last year, then this spring, but now has been delayed again until the summer. As Politico puts it, this is another national scandal that doesn't get the attention it deserves in Westminster.
3: Meanwhile, in business, the government should put the bitter divisions of Brexit behind them and focus on building a fairer, greener economy. That, according to the Confederation for British Industry. The CBI is today launching what it calls a, quote, landmark economic plan for the next decade. It is also warning that failure to make bold changes will result in persistently low productivity and heightened social division in Britain.
1: And Joe Cox's sister has been chosen as the Labour candidate in the constituency, the murdered MP once represented. Kim Ledbetter will contest a by-election for Batley and Spen on a date yet to be confirmed. The election was prompted by Tracy Brabin becoming elected as West Yorkshire's first regional mayor. During the selection meeting, Ledbetter told Labour Party members she was the candidate the Conservatives feared.
3: Mm -hmm. So those are some of the stories uh, in the world of politics. Now, the government is increasingly confident that England is on track to lift restrictions fully on the 21st of June. It comes after research from Public Health England into the impact of vaccines on the COVID variant first found in India. So Pfizer and AstraZeneca jabs are almost as effective against symptomatic disease from that strain as they are against the Kent mutation after two doses. But Pfizer still beats AstraZeneca's effectiveness at 80% effective versus 60%. Joining us now is Sean Griffiths, who is emeritus professor at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, and in a previous life, the chair of Hong Kong uh, and the government there. Their inquiry into SARS. Sean, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us. It does look like the Pfizer jab beats out when it uh, beats out AstraZeneca's effectiveness. Is that a problem for Britain?
2: I don't think so. I think these figures are always rather tricky to compare directly. Um, what, the good news from both sets of figures is that uh that that um the, the uh Pfizer and the uh, AZT are effective against the Indian variant. That's the take message. Um the, the the difficulty with AZT is given over, you know, it, it's uh, it's 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 less of it's been given and so you need to uh, uh, the longer time period, less, less of the second doses have been given. And, um, and what's important here is the second dose. And that's uh, that if you have the second dose of either jab, the effectiveness goes up to be as effective um, as the jab is, or more or less as effective as against the Kent variant, which is has been yeah. the dominant variant. So but- when people start to say the Indian variant is becoming the dominant one, but still the message is the vaccine works.
1: But but, Sean, isn't the problem here that we've had a long delay or delayed regime, long gap between doses, and as you say, the second jab is the effective one in in effect, and that that's really rather problematic considering the policy we've implemented on this?
2: Well, the uh, the, the uh, in areas where cases are detected, they've shortened the gap between doses for uh, all the for both Pfizer and AZT. You you do need your second dose. And you do need to, so you do need a second dose, uh, but uh, and having had one dose gives you some immunity. So if you know you've got some Indian variant in the, in the population, uh, shortening the time difference increases the response rate and increases the immunity. So that's why rather than focusing on making sure everybody gets the first jab in areas where um, you know you've got the Indian variant, the focus is on getting the second jab, raising the immunity so that the immunity uh, is very protective. Uh, particularly amongst uh, the older,
3: more vulnerable people. Um, does the evidence to you suggest that it would be safe to end virus restrictions on the 21st of June? You know the government's roadmap.
2: That's the political decision. It's very difficult balance. Because we've, we're watching, you know, you talked to me last week, we were much more nervous about the Indian variant than I think we are this week. And the reason is because we've seen that vaccine does have an effect and will protect the public from the Indian variant. As long as people who have symptoms still come forward and uh, um, uh, get tested and if positive, isolate. and as long as we all remember that uh, we need to still stick to the restrictions that are in place. So it's a sort of, if we take all of those different ways together the combination of activity we should hopefully see levels stay very low because the death rate I think yesterday was five um, it was averaging seven last week and that's so much better than it was you know back earlier in the year numbers of cases always difficult to estimate because it does depend a little bit on numbers tested but numbers of positives still staying low and hospital admissions still going down Uh, So the Indian variant as yet hasn't caused pressure on the NHS. Uh, So all of that taken into account... Those are some of the tests that will be looked at by ministers when they make the decision. So it is going in the right direction. I think that is definitely the case. Just you can never quite tell what might happen.
1: What about travel abroad? Because that, that obviously is an issue as well. Um, perhaps, as you say, maybe a political one, too. There certainly be some confused messages. I mean, would you feel safe travelling abroad?
2: Well, I think it's, it, it depends so much on where you're going. Uh, I don't think that I would get on a plane and fly to a holiday hotel in a crowded resort. I don't think I'd do that at the moment because it's about who else is in the resort, not necessarily who you're flying with. Um, however, um, I, I think that if, you have, you know, if you're in a situation where you're going to uh, stay with friends in a, um, in a country, uh, you know, country house in France you might say, actually, I'm going from a low prevalence area in the UK, I'm going to go directly there, it's a low prevalence area, I'm at no greater risk there than if I was in the UK. So you have to really choose, you know, think about what is your holiday, what is your holiday destination uh, and you know, what is the information that we're receiving at the current time? If something's on the green list, someone's on the green list. I think that's probably okay. I think uh, uh, we need to see how they revise the lists over the summer because if you look across to Europe, France is definitely doing. Um, um, uh, you know, the vaccination rate is definitely increasing, uh, and and it's and the rates are going down. So I think you need to take into account the information and make decisions that are appropriate for you and your family.
3: Mm. Is it a good idea then to have a third booster jab? I mean, when would you want to see that happen here in the UK?
2: Well, I think that we need to get through the vaccination programme now, um, and we're not going to get through that at the end of August. Uh, It's usual with a a sort of flu-like illness. Um, Coronavirus isn't the same as flu, but uh, if you take flu as the example, we tend to inject people when we know we're about to expect uh, an increase in cases, and that's in the winter when we're all inside, when coughs and colds are more frequent. Uh, so probably decisions will be made um, as we get closer to the autumn. And again, decisions about you know, should children be vaccinated? All those decisions—they're all under discussion, under consideration at the current time. Uh, but uh, I don't think you boosters just to go on holiday. I think that the, the immunisation rates are such, and the progress of the immunisation programme is such, need to complete the current immunisation of all adult population. Uh, encourage people. To make sure they get their second doses because that's what the research showed last week it shows that um, second dose adds to the protection against um this new variant and don't forget we could get other new variants mm-hmm. um and we you know and then as we get to the autumn decisions will be made on, based on the epidemiology based on what's happening in other countries as well Uh, And I think when we make our decision, we need to think, you know, do we take the booster or do we uh, make sure that there's more equitable distribution of vaccine across to other countries?
1: Sean, you you mentioned about, you know, how in some ways we have got used to flu, of course, being a a winter illness and and, and that's greater incidence then when people are all close in together inside houses. But do you expect a third wave of the COVID-19 in the winter? Should we, you know, this if we think about perhaps January or February next year? Are we going to be back in a difficult situation despite the the vaccines? I think it's well,
2: it's, it's always difficult to say what's going to happen because you know we never quite sure uh, you never you know you're never quite sure if something you know might hit you sideways. but the way things look at the moment, this is uh this coronavirus is probably here to stay. The vaccines and the development in vaccine science have been so phenomenal that they are able to help to control the disease. If you can keep the pressure off the NHS, um I think we'll be moving into uh, the lockdown like we saw last winter. We may well get an increase in cases. We always get an increase in flu cases, for example, around Christmas time. Uh, you know, in January, early January, we always see a peak, uh, a peak then. And that's why everybody's encouraged to be immunised with the strains of flu that are around. You know, you have your you have your vaccine in the autumn uh, to make sure that you don't get flu, that the strains of flu that are around uh, in the winter and, and flu vaccination. That's 60%, 70% effective usually. So again, what you're talking about here is normalising the idea that COVID may be around and that you'll continue to need to have boosters uh, in the way we have flu boosters. Uh, and that will then, so if you say there may be a third wave, we don't mm. go into lockdown because we have waves of flu, we will probably be able to cope as long as the system can cope. And one of the pre, obviously one of the important things is, you know, can 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 we prevent serious disease Uh, uh, and um, unfortunately you know large numbers of people dying is what we have seen hopefully we can present we can prevent that
1: bloomberg westminster listen weekdays at noon on dab digital radio in london